Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number four of the New Era Canucks podcast. My name is Jordan, and with me is my co-host, Ben. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm happy to be back. Be back. It's been a, a couple weeks since we last spoke, but I'm happy to be back and talking some Canucks hockey, even though Canucks hockey hasn't been too cheerful over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, been a, been a dark cloud, I'd say, this past uh, week or so for the Canucks. But um, first, we'll start off with some good news, and then we'll we'll tread along. But uh, the first bit of good news that came out yesterday was the Canucks confirmed their intent to relocate the AHL team in Utica to Abbotsford. And I personally think this is a great decision by the management team. Um, I think we touched a, a little bit on the last podcast about it, about how, you know, you can have a guy going from Kelowna to Vancouver the same day, Abbotsford to Vancouver, Victoria to Vancouver, all that. And I think it's a really good move when you consider calling up and calling down players. Yeah, I think it is a good move. And I mean, is this the best moment of the the 2021 section of the season? I mean, the, it, it probably is, right? Like there was no 2020 fall season. 2021, I think we had maybe two weeks where the Canucks were actually a decent hockey team. And then it's just been downhill from there. So maybe for Canucks fans, uh, th- this is really the, the best part of the season is hearing that the AHL franchise is coming to uh, the Fraser Valley. But I, I'm interested to see how this works. I know uh, the Calgary Flames had their AHL team set up in the Fraser Valley a number of years ago. And I mean, that was that was never going to work uh, from the moment the puck dropped, from the moment that franchise was announced. A, a Calgary franchise in a BC area wasn't, wasn't going to work. The, this province is Canucks through and through. But I think you take a look at Canucks fans and they know that they like, you know, they're diehard. There is an immense amount of following on the Utica Comets from Vancouver Canucks fans in British Columbia. And that's insane. When you consider what Utica is and where it is, Utica is a very, very small city in New York state. I can guarantee you that most of the Canucks fans wouldn't be able to pick out Utica on a map. If they had a map of New York state, Maybe they could circle an area, but I don't think they could pick out where Utica is. But when you have guys like Colin, Jonah Gadovich, uh, Jack Rathbone for uh, a hot minute uh, playing there, y- there is an interest there. And people have followed that team. And now the Canucks moving the team into Abbotsford, you have a chance to not only have the team closer to fans, but from the Canucks organization perspective, you have a chance to sell tickets and almost grow your fan base because Canucks tickets albeit not the most expensive in the league, are still pricey. And if you have to slap on a West Coast Express ticket on top of that to get in from the suburbs, it's a very pricey outing for a Canucks fan who's not right in the heart of Vancouver. But you put uh, Canucks AHL team out there and you have an already established hockey fan base in those areas. You have a diehard sporting fan base and uh, uh, an area that doesn't have much to support locally. There's been talk about a Canadian Premier League soccer team going there there's a Canadian elite basketball league team, but to have American teams coming in and out, this is top-notch professional sports we're talking about. And I think the people in Abbotsford would be more than excited to have this team in their backyard. Yeah, 100%. And you uh, you touched on too about the fact that uh, Vancouver, people in Vancouver, you know, they, they, they followed the Utica Comets. And I'd say a lot of people followed the Utica Comets very passionately, um, you know, keeping track of, what they had going on down in New York. 
And, you know, and now that you mentioned, I've seen a lot on Twitter recently too, of just people being like, finally, like I can stop tweeting about it and watching highlights and I can actually go to a game and watch the next Vancouver Canucks in person. And I think it's a very good decision too. And, you know, they've had, they've already had deposits on uh, season tickets for that franchise. So it's a, it's a step in the right direction uh, for growing prospects and getting them used to that uh, BC hockey nature. And as well as I was listening to Van Cass with uh, Jay Patton Drancer from the athletic there. And they were saying, do you even do what the Toronto Maple Leafs do at the Marlies and bring them downtown and let them play a game in Rogers arena or two. Uh, I think you could definitely do that with the Toronto Marlies and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course I live in Toronto most of the time I'm back in Vancouver now, but the, the Toronto Marlies are basically in downtown Toronto. It's about a, a 20 minute walk outside downtown Toronto, a 10 minute drive at most uh, along the QEW to get out to uh, what's now Coca-Cola Coliseum, not Rico Coliseum, uh, as I was going to say. But they're close. Anybody who wants to watch the Toronto Marlies can, and they're, they're a cheap ticket in Toronto. The thing is though, because you have them so close, people aren't going to go support them because if they're going to save up money to go to a hockey game, they'll just choose to go to the Maple Leafs. And even though that's pricey, if you're only going to go to one hockey game a season, maybe you go to the Maple Leafs instead of the Marlies. Now with having the team in Abbotsford, it's not easy. It's a, it's not that easy to get from Abbotsford into Vancouver. It, it takes a little bit of an effort, right? So having the team in Abbotsford, you almost have a diehard fan base right there. Uh, much like you would have had in Utica where they don't have to be nomadic going from one space to the other. But I think you also have a lot of Canucks fans who are quite diehard and are going to go from uh, the main area in Vancouver and the lower mainland out to the Fraser Valley to, to catch this team. And I think we've seen that already uh, with, with the other professional team that's there. I don't know if you know too much about the Fraser Valley bandits, but they've been playing in the CEBL for a couple of years and they've had great support. Uh, they only played one year at the Abbotsford Center because the the second year was affected by the pandemic and they played it in a bubble in Ontario. But they've had great support and there's people from Vancouver who sort of see this team as their own. Uh, So that's something that I think could happen as well. And you see the Canucks support of an AHL team. It's amazing. And I mean, when I was more of a fan, I would try and get into the Utica Comets or the Chicago Wolves or the Manitoba Moose. But as much as I wanted to root those root on those teams it was tough to do because i didn't have any emotional connection to them i tried to sort of create that emotional connection by oh these will one day be the vancouver canucks or maybe a player was being sent down for a rehab and he was going to come back up but it was hard to create that emotional connection but i think it's going to be easy to create an emotional connection to a team that is easy to adopt as a city zone in abbotsford yeah definitely um and it's also, you know, that that part of the next Vancouver Canucks, you talk about creating that emotional connection. It's the fact that those next Vancouver Canucks are just in your backyard and you can go down and watch them. And, you know, people who have a little bit more money to spend, they can go watch the Canucks and watch the Abbotsford whatever's, uh, you know, if they truly if their heart truly desires to it. Well, well, you, you say it right there, the Abbotsford whatever's. Uh, I'll put you on the spot. What do you see this this new team's name going to be? 
Um, it's really a mix, but I think the Aviators is probably their best go. Something to do with. I haven't the... heard that one. I haven't heard that one. That that'd be a good one. That was but, one uh... that I heard on on the Vancast and uh, on Twitter as well. There. I uh, I was thinking maybe uh, the Abbotsford Aquaman. Just considering who owns the team, I think that could be a, a, a quite funny. I, th- I think it could also be the Abbotsford Comets uh, or Abbotsford Asteroids if you want to sort of stick with that moniker. But the Comets trademark is owned by Robert Esch and the Utica Hockey Group, so y- that wouldn't be totally easy to get. Uh, and they're probably not going to go to the Utica Devils when the New Jersey Devils send their farm team there. Um, I think Abbotsford Farm Team would also be awesome um, because what's in Abbotsford? A lot of farms. Uh, so it could be the farm team. What is the Abbotsford farm team? It, well, it's the farm team, right? So, I mean, it, it would make almost too much sense for it to actually happen. Maybe, I don't know, Abbotsford farmers or something like that. Um, I, I think something like that could be pretty interesting. Uh, but I was also talking to to one of my friends last night and we were sort of throwing around the idea of what if they just go full European on this and call it like uh, HC Abbotsford or something like, like hockey club Abbotsford. I think that could be pretty cool or like ABHC or something like that. I think that could be pretty cool. And I mean, you take a look at the NFL and you have the the Washington football team and sure they're thinking of bringing out a new name, but over the two years that it hasn't been the name that it was, uh, people have sort of gotten used to calling it the Washington football team and maybe Washington football team or Washington FT is something that, or even FC just to confuse people is something that that'll stick. I mean, we already have Whitecaps FC in the city. So uh, it's certainly possible that we could get a, a name like that. I think it would be cool. I don't think they'll do it. I think most likely we're going to get something like Abbotsford Jets, Abbotsford Aviators or something like that. Uh, even like Abbotsford Whale or, I mean, you, you could even go insanely boring and just go Abbotsford Canucks, um, which, I mean, is done. You, you take a look at the Bay of Binghamton Devils who are going to Utica. They're just... There's a that that happens, but I, I do like your idea, or I guess the Vancast's idea of the Abbotsford Aviators. Yeah, and you know, like they said too, it's it's about that history behind the city when you're looking at the the branding idea. And uh I think it was it was Jancer who said it. Um and it was it was a personal connection for me too, you know, because as a young person, one of the things I remember the most about going out to Abbotsford is going to the air show. So I think maybe if you do call it that aviators team, Jets team, something like that, you know, you get that, you get those bells ringing in people's head where they're like, I remember that. And another fun thing about branding I want to talk about is what direction do you think they're going to go with the jerseys? Do you think they're going to go with something like that there behind me? Do you think they're going to go classic Canucks? Do you think they're going to go their own direction? What do you think they're going to do? So that that brings me to another team name idea I also had. What if they go with the Va- the Vancouver or the Abbotsford Grizzlies, Fraser Valley Grizzlies? I think that could be that could be awesome. And you adopt the the Vancouver Grizzlies brand. You just take that. Uh, you, you buy it back from or, or get permission from uh, from Memphis to actually use that. I think that could be pretty cool. Can you imagine how how awesome it would look to see sort of teal and brown jerseys? I think that would be an awesome color scheme. You replace the the basketball in that original logo with a hockey puck and and Bob's your uncle, but. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, I do think that they're going to stick very much with the Canuck sports and entertainment branding. It's going to be some sort of whale or Canucks uh, name, and it's going to be a similar logo. Maybe, maybe they go with the stick and rink logo or the flying skate or something like that. Maybe they throw a bit of Canucks history into that, but it's going to be blue and green. Um, unless they 
they go a little wild and they almost go millionaire's colors. Um, I'm pretty sure that it's going to just be blue and green and maybe green and blue, maybe a, a base color of green. Uh, I know Utica did have an alternate jersey like that, which I, I, I liked quite a bit. Um, but I mean, you, you have to consider who is running this hockey club in the Aquilini family. They're not a very outgoing per se in, in branding and, and promotion and stuff like that. So I don't think we're going to be seeing uh, anything that's too exciting. Um, it's exciting that the team's coming back. And I think that's something that they wanted to do for a while, but I don't think we're going to see anything too exciting in terms of uh, promotion or branding. Yeah. Um, guess we're just going to have to wait and see definitely, but um, something it that won't be we... too long. I think it's next year. They're yeah, next year, next year. They're going to, they're going to play next year, but something uh, us Canucks fans have been waiting for, for a little bit. And we got a taste of it last night was Jack Rathbone playing in his first career NHL game for the Canucks last night in their 5-3 loss to Edmonton. Played all right. Wasn't too good. Wasn't too bad. I'd say he was middle of the pack. I think he had maybe one shot on net and he had one that got deflected on or deflected wide. Um, during the start, he he looked like he was trying to make those Quinn Hughes passes where he was just throwing them. Uh, but I think he really got his game in the end. And in the end, he looked like a solid defenseman. I mean, he, he didn't play all that much. The Canucks at this point of the season, half the team is out of breath by minute 30. Uh, and there there's no playoff drive. There's really not much. And you're facing a team that isn't very good either, save for a, few, uh, a couple players. And Rathbone wasn't playing against those guys. He was playing pretty protected minutes. He did fine, uh, but I would expect a guy coming out of the NCAA to do fine. I mean, you look at Josh Tevez when he came up uh, and he played a couple games in the NHL with the Canucks a couple seasons ago. He looked fine. He's nothing special. Um, I don't think you can really judge Jack Rathbone off of uh, 10 or so minutes last night against the Oilers, but he, he's a promising prospect, right? Like he, There's a reason he was called up and went through his two-week quarantine uh, after a very brief stint in Utica, and there's a reason the Canucks picked him. There's a there's there's a whole bunch of good reasons to like Jack Rathbone and the possibility of what Jack Rathbone can be. But I wouldn't take too much from a very brief performance against the Edmonton Oilers at the end of a season that has been a dumpster fire. Everything is everything that can go wrong has gone wrong for the Canucks this season. I mean, who who would have if somebody told you at the beginning of the season that Elias Pettersson was going to be out for a couple of months and likely a season ending in injury halfway through the season and that the team would be struck by COVID, I, I think you would have laughed. It, it can't get that bad, can it? Well, it, it did. And that's why Jack Rathbone's in the lineup at this point. If the Canucks were at all a competitive team, Jack Rathbone's not in the lineup. Uh, but he is. And I think it's good he gets a couple games under his belt. But I, I, I just can't judge him in the NHL after this. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, you can't judge uh, a player by his first game in the NHL. And like you said, playing the protected minutes that he did, but um, you know, this season, I think uh, you take what you can get and going forward, he definitely is a promising prospect. And I think he's going to be a very solid player for the Canucks. I think he'll be uh, a very good depth defenseman in the future. Could even crack into that top four. Um, but yeah, it's, um, 
it's a it's a fun time. I like that time at the end of the season where, you know, you get all those rookies that start coming in and everybody starts getting their NHL debut and, you know, everybody starts picking who's going to be the best one coming out. Obviously we have Cole Fraudfield uh, out there scoring only overtime winners can't score on five on five, but um, yeah, um, I, I like this end of the season uh, where the rookies come in um, and, you know, I bet they, they enjoy it too, getting their first NHL games under their belt. I mean, it's quite entertaining. I mean, part of me also thinks, why do people do this? How how valuable is like a 10-game stretch at the end of the season anyways? Uh, I think it's a bit less this season uh, just because of the shortened season, but usually it's 10 games, right? And I was at Quinn Hughes' NHL debut. It was a hopeless season for the Canucks. He was up and he burned the first year of his contract. And look at, look where you are now, where Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes are, are coming up in the same year, right? So, uh, but if you didn't, throw Quinn Hughes into the mix for a couple games and burn that first year of his contract, then you wouldn't have had that problem. So I don't really see that all that much value in it. I'm not a coach. I'm not a player. You're not either. So we can't really decide how much value a guy like Quinn Hughes or Jack Rathbone for that matter, get from playing a little short stint at the end of the season. But I'm more of the, the opinion that uh, it's fantastic that Vasily Bud and didn't come over and play a couple hopeless games because I mean, you just have more years of the player uh, and more years of control under that. I know your years of control is something that's really talked about in baseball and service time and stuff like that. And I think even though it's not technically in hockey, the idea still sort of applies uh, of trying to keep player players under control for as long as possible. I think it's great that a guy like Jack Rathbone can get into the lineup. Maybe next year's a little early for him. Um, but who else do you sort of see in this Canuck system maybe getting a chance at the end of the season here or e even making the lineup next year off the opening day honestly for getting a chance I feel like it's almost over um you know maybe Jonah Gadjevich will get a game or two in here but I think you know it, it really all depends on how these last maybe couple games here against Edmonton and Winnipeg go and then Calgary going forward who you could play because uh the obviously those games against Calgary they're going to be all but meaningless now with Calgary most likely being eliminated from the playoffs any moment here and the Canucks uh days uh remaining in playoff contention are ticking away right in front of them uh so i'd say they're pretty well gone at this point uh, that oh, we're recording oh, yeah. on, uh, on uh wednesday may 5th just after they lost a couple games to the edmonton oilers so i would say they're they're pretty far gone and gone yeah definitely and um yeah it's i don't really see anybody else getting a chance like i said other than maybe jonah gadjevich because he got called up uh he is obviously in his quarantine right now i think that's should be up by sometime around the end of this week. So he could play in a game next week, but I'm not expecting it. He definitely could get into a game. I think it would be great if Jonah Gadjevich can get into a game. I mean, he's already made his pro debut. He's adjusted to the North American game. I mean, he never left the North American game, but there there isn't sort of all those steps that a player like Pud Colson would have to take per se. Um, so I think he does get a game. Um, but Vancouver fans they'll get a bit of an early look at what it's like having an AHL team in their city when all these guys are playing in the last few games of the season, because 
you take a look at that four game stint against Calgary and you're going to have Utica or, or I guess Abbotsford at that point nearly uh, against Stockton. I mean, the thing I'm looking forward to is we might see a few more Canadian university players in the national hockey league um, it, because Stockton has so many of those guys, but I mean, <laughs> that's going to be a slog. They're still TBD on the schedule. Uh, in terms of where they're being broadcast and what time they're at. So I think if you're the NHL, you should probably cancel those games for the well-being of the players. Because, I mean, e- even the Canucks, you can see last week, they were slow and gassed in the third period. One sec. This it, week, was, it, it was announced today that they're not canceling those games, no matter what. Well, they should. Uh, <laughs> I know you're, uh, you know you're a, a, big, uh, a big advocate on canceling games, but yeah. they. they I, uh, I mean, they're... they're I mean... Over, over the last year, I haven't taken anything people have said until it happens. Until those games happen, I'm not sure that they actually happen. Because who knows? Calgary could have an outbreak and they just say, like, okay, that's it. Vancouver could have an outbreak and they just say, okay, that's it. So I'm still not totally certain that those games happen. Uh, but, I mean, as, as we've seen over the last week or so, or even the last 48 hours, the NHL doesn't really know what they're doing and running a professional sports league for the what the well-being of their players um i think our listeners probably know that i'm hinting at the tom wilson fiasco uh between the new york rangers and the washington capitals but i mean they shouldn't play they could play it's going to be terrible to watch i mean i don't even know if i'll be able to watch those last few games because they're going to be so slow so unmotivating um, but pat on the back to any of our listeners who who are going to watch those games because, I mean, you got to love this team if you're watching the, the game still. Uh, and if you're watching the games in a couple weeks, I mean, maybe find another team to like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this team definitely um, has looked dogged in this. Uh, since, since returning, honestly, since those first two games against Toronto, they looked like they could make a run for the playoffs. Like uh, we've talked about that and – and then it just dipped right off afterwards um, after that series against Ottawa and the road trip. And it just hasn't looked good since, but um, you mentioned it. I want to talk about it because uh, it ties into the Canucks a little about the NHL being able to take care of their players. What is going on in New York right now? Because the past 48 hours out of Madison square garden have been an absolute show it has been an absolute show um well, Ma- madison square garden is known for for live shows whether it's sports or or even theater or concerts i mean madison Gar- square garden is known for live shows and they're certainly getting a show this week uh between the new york rangers and the washington capitals uh for those who don't know tom wilson uh, notorious enforcer in the nhl uh took pavel bujnevich and Artemi Panarin to the ground and just started pummeling them. Uh, and he was not suspended by the National Hockey League. Rather, he was only fined $5,000, the maximum uh, allowable under the NHL's collective bargaining agreement. Uh, that isn't fantastic. Uh, and the NHL should have suspended the guy. Um, and as one would expect in the, the game after that, um, they can't, the the Rangers came back and they, they were frustrated. They came back uh, and they dropped the gloves right off the, the start. I mean, after the NHL came out and said they were only 
giving Wilson a $5,000 fine. The Rangers came out and said uh, in a statement that the New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that the Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these type of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to Artemi Panarin that will prevent him from playing again this season. And then here's the kicker. We view this as a dereliction of duty by the NHL head of player safety, George Peros, and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. I don't think in any level of professional sports, at least in North America, we've seen a club call out a league official. And that's exactly what happened here. I think it's fantastic that that's what happened here. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this evolves, whether George Perrow stays with the league. But, I mean, in, in tonight's game, it was a, it was a disaster. It was ugly. I, I couldn't watch. I mean, I, I'm all for a couple fights a game. But three right off the opening faceoff? Brought me back to John Tortorella and the Calgary Flames days. Yeah, um... I I personally live for that hockey, but eventually, you know, you do got to put a stop to that. And I think after that last fight between, I believe it was Brian Strom and Lars Eller, I, uh, the refs went to both coaches and they were like, that's enough. Like, that's it. That's all. Um, no more fighting. Because, I mean, you were looking at the screen there. They had about eight or nine players on the bench and they had six players in the penalty box. And Right now in Ontario, I think that's about a $200 or so fine uh, for getting that many people together in that close of a vicinity. And yeah, Washington yeah. had that many people in the box there. Yeah, shout out to a uh, University of Toronto men's hockey player, Kyle Botts, for uh, for posting a, a picture of the, the Capitals penalty box and saying in Ontario, this is a $10,000 fine. I spoke to him just after he did that. I know him sort of fairly well from covering university hockey in Canada. And he's saying that after trying to be funny for 10 years on, on Twitter, he finally had one go viral and uh, he's pretty psyched about that. So a little shout out to him. I, I don't know if he's listening. Um, he's not a Canucks fan. So I would doubt he's listening unless he, he wants to to hear uh, us talk about Canucks hockey, but cer- certainly interesting what's going on with them. Um, it, it reminds me of not only Tortorella and the Canucks, but also Todd Bertuzzi and Steve Moore. Uh, a game I was actually at when I was little uh, was one of my first hockey games. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to, to see Tom Wilson playing in the national hockey league when you know, he's done this so many times and that the CBA and the NHL don't pr- actually protect players from a guy like that. And I don't know whether Tom Wilson knows he's doing something wrong. I think Tom Wilson just thinks he's, he's playing old school hockey. That's how what hockey is, right? But it's clearly not. Uh, and a guy like Tom Wilson, if he's not going to stop doing stupid things, then kick him out of the game. I mean, there has to be an indefinite suspension uh, from National Hockey League and forfeited pay or something. Because $5,000? I mean, you pay $5,000 for like... I mean, I pay $5,000 for tuition, but like it's throwaway money for these guys. Oh yeah. And and it's, it doesn't make sense. I don't even know why $5,000, why are fines a thing? Unless they're a substantial percentage of a salary, fines don't mean anything to these guys who are making upwards of a million dollars a year. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say there was, you know, um, the equivalent of Tom Wilson getting fined $5,000 is us getting fined about $20. So you really want to put it into perspective there. What is that actually going to do to a guy who's making about $4 million a year? Like that's... Uh, it, if there was something that you found really fun, would you pay $20 to do it? Yeah, probably. Tom Wilson clearly finds this fun. So he's willing to pay $5,000 to do it. So, uh, I mean, it's almost a, a ticket of admission for him that, than it is... Um, then it is a punishment. Yeah. Um, I, I I also like the comment by the Rangers about George Peros. I, I do personally believe that, you know, he is probably a bit unfit for the role. He is a former NHL ass kicker. So I don't know why well, he's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why, 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 are in for, why are enforcers in this role? It makes no sense to have an enforcer in this role. Uh, it should be a guy who played the game cleanly and knows how the game should be played. Right? I think Marty St. Louis is our best answer for the NHL how to play. Exactly. Safety. Like the last one was Brendan Shanahan and he was on the nose. You know, he had all his funny videos that got recreated by Will Arnett. But um, uh, yeah, Brendan Shanahan, even he was somewhat of a gritty, grindy, mucky player when he played in his playing days. And he loved to fight and loved to hit and get under people's skins and talk his talk and prove that he could walk it too. And, you know, I think that's what has shown that the NHL cannot protect its players in the past couple of years is that these unfit players are getting hired for unfit roles. And even we've seen the talk about George Paros recently too. I think it was the, uh, I'm not too sure who it was, but someone was getting a lengthy suspension and George Peros didn't want it to even be a suspension. And Bettman actually had to come in and say, well, no, he probably should be suspended for that. And on top of that, Shane Gossespierre gets suspended today for his little cross check there on uh, Matthew Friedman of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I'm watching that and I'm like, so you're going to fine Wilson $20,000 for grabbing a guy by his hair and punching him down. Probably could have killed Panarin if he didn't, if his, did, his shoulders didn't impact that uh, fall on the ice. And, you know, you're going to charge Shane Gossespear two games, probably I think Philly's final two games of the regular season here just for that cross check. Yeah, it's... It makes there's no consistency. It makes no sense. I mean, Alex Edler, sure, he he made a bad decision on the knee on knee hit on Zach Hyman, but it wasn't as bad as what Wilson did. I I mean, Alex Edler was tired, and he made a bad decision. Tom Wilson tried to severely injure a person. That should not only not be allowed in the NHL, but it shouldn't be. It's not allowed in society. There should be some sort of societal rules that apply on the ice, right? I mean, you can't drop the gloves with somebody in the street, but there should be a level of respect there, especially for one of the stars in the league. Because, I mean, if you're not going to suspend Wilson and you're going to keep these guys in your game, you're not growing the game. To suspend the best player on the most watch, one of the most watched teams in the league, what are you doing in terms of trying to grow this game? How is a fan who doesn't know much? from seattle going to come into this league and see this what are they going to think they're not going to watch want to watch this game for for another day what happens if tom wilson what happens if the washington capitals are playing the seattle kraken and tom wilson goes and takes out their star you're going to lose fans 
you're not just going to lose diehards for a couple weeks. You're going to lose fans who who could have become consistent streams of revenue for your league. And it's not going to happen with this leadership group at the top of the NHL. You, you need a group that protects its players and markets its star players as well. Because you can go around the States. Nobody's going to know who Connor McDavid is. But everybody knows who LeBron James is, regardless of if you like basketball or not. So there's clearly something there. I think the key is you hire a bunch of social media and marketing people uh, from from the NBA and the, the other leagues that actually market their stars. Because outside of Alex Ovechkin, who markets himself, there's really not too many recognizable names or faces in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and I think that's why the the new ESPN deals, uh, TNT deals, are really good for the league. Um, they get to expand and go back to two very trustworthy sports networks uh, in the United States to brand off the hockey game. Yeah, it's going to be entertaining to see to see the NHL on those networks, especially because those networks are not traditional hockey networks. I mean, sure, ESPN had it for a while. TNT has never had it. Well, but you look at you, that one that one clip of Shaq, and they asked him to to name his three NH, name NHL teams, and he said the Chicago Blackhawks, the California Kings, and the New York Devils, or something like that. So. Yeah, I mean, he, Shaquille O'Neal knows nothing about the NHL. He knows a lot about uh, printers and insurance things. I mean, he he's on basically every commercial you see on a sports channel. But uh, if you, if you get him talking about the NHL, or you have some sort of NHL on TNT that's sort of based off the NBA on TNT. It it would be absolutely fantastic to see to see that happen. Um, I don't think you want Shaquille O'Neal or Charles Barkley or on ESPN Stephen A. Smith to be trying to break down a power play. I don't think if if you do that, you're not going to find get the best out of them. But if you have them talking about sort of almost just joking around, like talk about the goal celebrations, just have them speak over highlights even on a script like you're going to get more people watching and on a simple american tv package you'll also get tnt and you'll get espn espn especially um so it's just going to put hockey in front of so many more eyes have recognizable voices talking about hockey uh it's it's going to grow the game but if you have a guy like tom wilson who comes out and takes out a player well what what's Stephen a smith going to say to that he's certainly never seen that in the nba yeah, um, the the response from them is definitely going to going to be something to watch. And uh, Halford, uh, I think I believe it was Halford from Halford and Bruff uh, on Sportsnet six fifty. They said it on one of the Canucks games is get Charles Barkley involved because uh, he has been quite outspoken uh, towards his likingness of hockey. And there's even a clip uh, back a couple years ago of him and Gretzky where. Charles Barkley asked Gretzky who his favorite uh, black athlete of all time is. And Gretzky goes, Grant Fear. I mean, y- you might as well, right? I don't, th- but uh, as I said, you don't want these guys breaking down the power player or breaking down uh, sort of aspects of the game, but almost talking about the culture of hockey and talk promoting the stars. Because if you promote the stars through familiar voices, well, people are going to watch. And once people watch hockey, they'll like it most of the time uh, because it's an entertaining sport. If they turn on and they see fights, they'll probably turn it off. Um, if they, it, I think old people and or not, like old hockey people will like 
a game like we saw between the New York Rangers and the Washington Capitals, but I don't think you're bringing in new fans like that. Uh, I think once you drop the gloves, uh, you're dropping a couple of fans as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's also a good idea too, because I know NHL was talking about going with Disney as well uh, for their brand deal because uh, Disney's a part of ESPN and you mentioned, you know, once you drop the gloves, you drop a couple fans. And definitely if you have, you know, markets like uh, Disney uh, promoting the league. But um, enough about that for now. I want to get into something a little serious that has gone on uh, with the Canucks in the past week or so. It is the uh, situation surrounding uh, Jake Vertanen and his uh, sexual misconduct allegations. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the the statement put out by the Canucks where, uh, you know, they said that they do not tolerate sexual misconduct of any kind, which is awesome to see in a statement because I know a lot of people do miss that when they put out a statement like that. And I think putting him on leave was the right call definitely too because, you know, we talked about locker room environments uh, with Adam Gaudet when you had the whole COVID situation going on and if he would have theoretically came back to the team and been that patient zero and been in that locker room, it would have been a toxic environment. And now that you have Jake Vertanen with these uh, allegations being in that locker room. Yeah, I mean, with Jake Vertanen, he should not play another game in the NHL uh, if any section of this is true. Of course, in the Canadian justice system, you're innocent until proven guilty. But that doesn't mean – innocent doesn't mean not guilty. They're not opposites. Um, Jake Vertanen should not play another game for the Canucks if any portion of this is true. And I I believe that most of it ha- has to be true. I mean, somebody doesn't come out like this – and speak to a major media partner in, in Glacier Media if it's just a story. And I don't think, I mean, you have to, you can't, you can't defend Jake Vertanen in this case. You have to believe uh, the 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 woman who's being referred to as Emily by Glacier Media. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I read the story. I read the statements. Jake Vertanen's done as a Vancouver Canuck, I would say, uh, and he should be. And I, I think Jake Vertanen should, should be done with life as it is for him. I think Jake Vertanen should should actually go behind bars if any section of this is true, um, which I'm sure it is. Yeah, and you talk about that innocent until proven guilty too. And um, uh, now the Vancouver PD has opened up uh, an investigation towards it. But, you know, the problem is with him being how big he is, obviously being an NHL player is that even if, you know, certain ramifications aren't done, he isn't sent to jail, he isn't tried or anything like that, there's going to be public backlash from it. And that's the unfortunate thing because a lot of people do believe that this could be true to some extent, which obviously is something you never want to see on both parts. Um, But uh, for Jake Vertanen, if this is true, you know, obviously losing his NHL career and, losing a free life is something that he most definitely deserves playing in the NHL is a privilege. And if you're not going to realize that it's a privilege and you're not going to 
take care of that privilege, you shouldn't have that privilege. And I think that goes for any privilege in the world. But especially when you're an NHL player, you have fans, you have a bit of public clout, you should not be throwing that around. And you certainly shouldn't be throwing that around uh, to to potential partners. Um, I mean, I read the the story from, from Glacier Media and... I mean, every we won't go into it in too much detail. You you can check that out from uh, Vancouver is awesome, um, but you you can't there. It's true, you can't defend it, um, and I'm always going to believe uh, any victim over potentially saving somebody who plays hockey, which is in the end just a game. Ah, uh, yeah, you know you you gotta believe the victim and you got to respect her too you know um obviously a great move by glacier media to not release her name as well i know she has remained anonymous through this just uh in case for public backlash reasons and obviously you know you are going to get public bash backlash and jake vertan has turned off his instagram comments i'm sure some instagram warriors may have noticed that one and um, yeah, it's 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 a really sticky situation, and I think the worst part about it is the fact that it happened in 2017, and that it's there. You can't look up forensics. You can't do anything like that. You just have to go off of he said he said she said, and you know that isn't a very uh, viable way of solving a case like this. Yeah, it's it's tough to solve a case like this. I mean. As much as uh, you and I aren't scouts and players, we're we're not lawyers either. Um, I'll leave it up to the legal team um, on both sides. Um, but uh, Jake Furtanen's lost all my respect, uh, and I think he's lost the respect of a lot of people in Vancouver as well. Because, I mean, I think unfortunately the story would be a lot different if this was Elias Pettersson. Um, because if he if Jake Furtanen was scoring forty goals a year and was the main guy on this Canucks team, I think there would be a lot of people saying, come on, can we just throw this under the bus? Which would be the wrong decision. It would undoubtedly be the wrong decision. Um, and that would, I would hate to see that happen. Um, I know that there, there are unfortunately people out there who, who want to see this thrown under the rug, um, but that should not happen. Jake for should, should get the, the biggest punishment possible um, for, for what he likely did. Yeah, and you talk about the fact, too, of if he was scoring, you know, 40 goals or so, could, you know, this be something that uh, people want to sweep under the rug? And I think, you know, some of the fact of people not being happy that this has come to light, but, you know, like, I think it's definitely something that people have been waiting for is to get Jake Vertanen out of Vancouver. Obviously, he's been talked about being traded. I'm going to stop you there. You, you can't You can't say that... A sexual misconduct case is the way to get Jake well, Vertanen no, out of Vancouver no, or get not. him obviously off not. of the salary cap. I mean, that should not be it should not be the way. I, I, I don't think the thinking behind telling this story now was, oh, I want the Canucks to have cap space so they can sign a new right winger and Jake Vertanen leaves the Canucks. I am 110% sure that that wasn't the thought process behind it. Um, I think it just took her a long time to, to sort of come to terms of to be able to tell her story. Um, and... I, I admire that she, she has come out and told uh, the story of the situation that happened between her and Jake Vertanen. Um, and I mean, 
the Canucks shouldn't get any benefit from this. There should be no salary benefit. Jake Vertan should be on the books for the, the next three seasons, uh, even if he doesn't play a game. The Canucks should get a punishment for this, for not knowing about it. Jake Vertanen should get a severe punishment for it. Everybody except the victim should be punished for for what, what has happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's you, you just got to make what it is at the end of the day. Like I like like I said, obviously the the way I put that recently wasn't the best way to put it. Of obviously she didn't come out and wasn't being an armchair GM saying, "Oh, I bet I could get the Canucks about an extra one point eight five million dollars in cap space this offseason. But um, you know, it's a a sad story to hear about, and you know, obviously all our respect goes out to the potential or the alleged victim in this case, and. Um, yeah, Ben, anything more on this? Uh, I just hope that everybody comes out of this getting what they deserve. Um, and that's punishment on Jake Vertanen. And that's whatever supports that Emily will need in this situation because it's not easy. Um, I have friends who've gone through similar things uh, and they need they need a lot of support. And they also need support not only from, from people who can give them like – real support but they need support from the community there generally has to be a backing behind emily and that that's really i i think we we've talked about that quite a bit um but jake vertanen should feel the full wrath of the canadian legal system yeah 100 percent. and you know um we talked about it before we started recording a bit too about his future in hockey personally i believe that his pro hockey days could be done um but you have a bit of a different take on what could happen what do you think about that well, unfortunately, I do think that he could find himself in the uh, the KHL because they have absolutely no standards. I mean, maybe sexual misconduct crosses their line, but their line is so their their bar is so low that you have to dig a hole to even see it. Um, so I mean, maybe he gets in the into the KHL. I I I hope he doesn't. I hope he's done with hockey. Hockey's a hockey's a privilege, and he should not have that privilege anymore. Um. But unfortunately, I do see that as a possibility. Yeah, um, and you also, you know, you you can see that as a possibility with, like you said, the KHL. They 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 have a very low bar in welcoming players into the into their game. But hopefully, uh, sexual misconduct up to the nature that Jake Vertanen is being accused of, um, you know, does uh, cross their line, and they will not accept him, and that he does not play another game of even hockey in that matter. Cause like you said, hockey is a privilege to play. And if you're going to, you know, use that to take advantage of your partners, like in the way he did, you don't deserve it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think you, we we've said what we can about this, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, you know, we've said all you can without, getting into too much detail, which obviously we do not want to do on here. Uh, And, you know, a lot of people uh, have not done, which is great because you never really want to get into too much details about uh, these kinds of things publicly. You always want to remain it close to the victim and keep it personal. But uh, for this week of the New Era Canucks podcast, I believe that is all we have to talk about this week. Um, 
There's one other thing, not totally oh. related to the Canucks, uh, taking a big pivot here, uh, but a little bit of change in Vancouver sports media, as, as if there hasn't been enough change for a while for, uh, over the last couple months. But Blake Price, uh, Canucks reporter, radio host, uh, he's got a play-by-play gig in down uh, as the play-by-play guy for the Vancouver Whitecaps. So, uh, well, Blake Price hasn't called much soccer in the past. He he does do world did do world juniors for TSN. Uh, a former TSN 1040 host is back under the umbrella of Bell Media uh, calling Whitecaps games uh, in Major League Soccer for the local broadcast. So, I mean, I'll be interested, very interested to see that. And who knows, maybe uh, Blake Price is thrown in on a Canucks game uh, at some point um, if he has success with the Whitecaps. No one can replace Shorty and Garrett. I tweeted my thoughts out about that one last night. They're, they're, I, th- I think they're, they're probably some of the, the greatest commentators. I wouldn't say in league history, but I'd say they're they're one of the – the best commentating duos in the uh, in the NHL right now. They they're uh, they're one of the most lively commentators, I think. And you know they 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 do they do tend to honestly get a little bit funny too when they're on the broadcast. Yeah, they they're a great commentary team. But uh, I did think it was quite interesting that uh, Blake Price finds himself behind the mic of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Mm-hmm. So um, now that'll be it for the episode four of the new era Canucks podcast. Ben, thank you for joining me uh, once again. And I look forward to talking to you next week and hopefully we'll have a, a bit more positive stuff to talk about and hopefully a Canucks win. I, I hope so too. And uh, thanks so much for having me on once again. All right. As always, see you later.